What is going on, coaches? Hopefully, you guys have had a great summer with your kids, uh, working out. Hopefully, you guys had a good Father's Day yesterday. I know that uh, I really enjoyed it. Got to go back to Oklahoma for the weekend, watch my son play a little baseball, um, and, and get him out into mother-in-law's new pool. So, uh, excited to be back down uh, into Texas now and getting after it for another week. Got another, got a little kids camp uh, coming up uh, this week, and then here next month, I've actually got my own. Little kids camp, we're doing just linemen. So excited to be working some football again. If you guys need anything from us, go check us out over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull. Uh, and formations so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Terrence Banks. Coach Banks is coaching at Meadow Creek High School in Norcross, Georgia. Listen as we talk again with Coach Banks about his first foray into writing during the pandemic with 101 plays in the power spread offense, including gap schemes, RPOs, play action passes, especially some wheel routes, obviously, and more. Uh, we had a great interview, obviously, again with Coach Banks. You guys can follow Coach Banks on Twitter at tbanks1906. Hope you guys enjoy. Do you, you kind of load up some playlists, you know, at night, the night before, knowing like, hey, I'm going to listen to this tomorrow in the morning. Like, what's kind of your ritual with that? Because I've kind of gotten a little bit more into it. I know Harper's been on it for, you know, three, four years. But, you know, it's been the same thing for me. I got about a 15-minute drive, and it's like, you know what, I want to find something real quick that I can just kind of pop in and learn while I'm on the way to work. Yeah, it depends on the mood I'm in. I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people are doing I know you guys were talking about it. I mean, I have Audible, but I don't really do the audio books. I have them. Not really my thing, per se. I prefer just to read it on the phone. Um, so a lot of times, it can be the podcast or the music. I've been trying to get back into the podcast. What I'm big on currently is re-listening to podcasts that I liked before or rereading a book that I read before that I thought was good. Because I think you missed something. And so um, that's currently what I'm doing. I have the, the podcast and podcasts kind of lined up that I want to hear again. 
And so I'm going through right now um, to kind of see where that ends, especially because spring football is done. There is, you know, <laughs> we'll be out of school. We'll be out of school in a week. Um, it's just, you know, some, some clear thought going on. I like the audio books. Uh, like you said, coach, um, you don't get into as much, but I like the audio books, but I've been burned on several of them. What I've learned with the audio books for me is I almost won't buy an audio book unless the author is the one that, that is reading the book. Like when the author reads the book, the audio books seem to be really, really, really good. When they pay someone else to read the audio book, it's almost always terrible. I, I don't know. I don't know what happens or what causes that, but uh, that's one of the things that I found for me personally. Um, that that when when it's the guy that wrote the book reading it, I, I don't know. They just are, are more excited or what the deal is. Uh, but I but I, I, those are always a lot more entertaining to me. I, I haven't even thought of. It like that, so that maybe that's that's what it is. So, <laughs> what, well, is your is your book coming out in audio? What are you what are you doing with it, Coach? <laughs> uh, yeah, no audio for this one, but I have I will say that um, I will I, I I have the bug now. I'm you know I'm working on two uh, additional things now, and and it's funny for a guy that's a math guy by trade and somebody who hated English literature <laughs> and hated having to write papers to get these this master's in educational specialist degrees and here he is talking about hey let's write a book uh that ain't how i intended this thing to go but i think the next one as i get more into details and you know understand the process now i probably put more words into the pencil what yeah i'm i'm kind of curious to hear about your process behind it coach like you said um i i see more uh, football guys coming out with books, and and I those are about the only books that I read. Um, it, but your general thought of football coaches isn't that they want to sit down and write a book. You know what I mean? Like we even thought uh, if we were going to ever do a book, like going and recording us talking about the book, and then just using or you know talking through a book, and then just using that audio to transcribe it into the words. And now we've got a written book. What was as a math guy, how did that whole process come to you? Um, what was your process for getting it down? It's, it's, it's a tough thing to sit down and do. And it's not something that you can decide to do and okay, you can get it done. I would assume in a few weeks. I mean, it's a long process to get done and takes away time from, from everything else. Well, this one was interesting because um, I had to. I, well, I didn't have to do it first. So during um, during COVID, when COVID kind of hit, I was back at a life crux that I hadn't really solved from um, my previous stint as a head coach. Um, kind of jumped back into being a head coach when I probably shouldn't have because I wanted to, you know, spend more time with the boys. But you know that itch that itch of being in control was a whole other conversation. So during the office, during this time of COVID, I'm going to a new location, probably didn't know what I was going to do. I said, well, I just want to go through three years of thing. And I'm big on analytics. You, you know, we've talked about that just via Twitter. I'm big on analytics. I want to know what I kind of did. And so I would kind of, I went through plays that I had that were explosive plays. Um, and I just started writing them down. I started drawing them up started going through the rules because I said eventually whatever I decide to do I'm going to need and so as I did one you do two you do three you do four and so the neat, the neat idea comes to my head well maybe I'll make it a book where I kind of talk about the different variations that you can run and what I call the power spread offense which is a whole nother joke I know you guys get it me and Walsh talks about it all the time I'm not really a power guy but I still call it the power spread because I like the one downhill. Here nor there. Well, then, you know, as we keep going through the book, I, I keep going right in place. Somebody said, yeah, making the book is a good idea. So, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make it a book. Then the season kind of picked back up. And I'm like, yeah, well, it was cool. I, I'm not going to finish. Then when I kind of looked at how many plays I had did, I had probably drew up probably about 
60 to 70 plays. And then something said, don't stop. Go. How can I format this in a way that might be um, helpful to to some people? And I kind of thought about them, Oach, them, them early uh, books that they had on uh, Coach's Choice, where they would sell, you know, the Tony DeMayo, 101 Ways to Run the Triple Option, 101 Ways to Run the Wing T. If you're a wing T guy, start off coaching the wing T. Then he created 101 wing T ways, racehorse drills. I said, you know what? Why not do that for this offense? I mean, I know it's kind of old school. Why not try the 101 ways, 101 different variations in the power spread? So I kind of, you know, um, I had said I was going to be done at a certain point, but then I just kind of labored through it, got it done. <laughs> and then I said, all right, well, are you really going to try to put this out? How do you put this out? And then, you know, I looked at the market and those, and I think some of these guys are way better than me. Um, Dove has it down packed now. Guys like Kenny Simpson, they have it down packed now. Um, and I just kind of reached out to some other people who had put it out, Cody Alexander. And they were like, man, just do it. And I said, screw it. Here we go. Let's throw it up against the wall. Let's see if some sticks. Because, um, I, you know, I had, of course, you guys know I have been doing, I've done a lot of clinics. I've done, I got videos on coach tubes. Those are always easier to kind of put together. But the oh, book yeah. was Mm-hmm. was totally different but now that i kind of understand i did it it's a sense of accomplishment well i was gonna say I, yeah like like and and we've looked and you can put out books obviously on on amazon and like you said you could read on your phone but it's got to be something different you know i was i thought it was the coolest thing in the world when we got our books uh from you know your book we got it and, and i was like man how cool is this uh, we got his book. It is his name on the front, and it's like a real life book. And I thought it was cool just just knowing you. So I can only imagine you getting that first shipment or that first book to you that you made. Uh, you designed it. It's right there. It's in paper, like a real book that you see in the library. I mean, uh, I've got to assume that's just an, an awesome feeling. Yeah, it was. You know, we I actually had sold a few copies before. I actually got the, the copies in my hand. Um, let's see, we're going in the process of getting the book sent to me. And you guys know the pandemic shipping is is crazy on everything. Right? Oh yeah, even Amazon, even Amazon two day might be five day. Um, <laughs> and so we had already put it out live on Amazon Kindle, and then we got the book out on Amazon, and then finally about two weeks later. Because I think I had talked to you guys, like, hey, guys, I got the book coming up, get you some copies, I'm going to yada. And I think I said that, and it still took another 14 days. <laughs> and it had already been seven days since the book was supposed to be getting ready to arrive before they actually arrived. And, you know, it was still that, that wow thing. This is really real. Um, and so still that shock that's, like you said, to have hard copies in your hand you're kind of like i can't believe i actually did this but here it is here's, here's the book is coach man i gotta i gotta chuckle out of it because you know like you said before you know hey I'm, I'm not a power guy and then i open it up you know and i read the the inscription stuff you have to your family and and then the first play i see in there though was power and it, it made me just start laughing <laughs> like he's a power dude yeah, um, yeah, I think, you know, most of us, I see all the time. I, I, I do run power. You know, it's not that I'm anti-power. Um, you know, I was – Power Reed probably was my number one run play as a as a head coach my first three years. You know, we run power. We ran – it was our number one play last year. I just – I became a, a lover. I am and still am, you know. Um, and we talk about this all the time. Gap schemes and gap schemes. You actually know our two favorite run plays is, I'm no doubt, going to say – uh, GT, GH, and then mid zone. You know, those are my favorite two run plays. But, you know, as we've talked about, I've done it all depending on what I had. Power's in the playbook. Power's going to be installed. Now, it's probably blasphemous for you power guys. Power ain't the first play I'm going to install. It's going <laughs> to be mid zone. And, you know, we're going to install power and GT kind of at the same time. But we're going to run that gap scheme. I tell people, to me, you know, I'm a GT lover. 
and GH. That's the same thing as power. Just mm-hmm. he's just crossing the face. It really is no different. But yeah, you know, we're gonna run. I'm gonna run power. I'm gonna run power read a lot. We're gonna run power read toast. I'm a um I'm even getting it too. Here goes your here goes your last. Here's what we did in the spring, guys. You ready for it? You won't believe it. Drum roll. We ran power screen and and power screen in the spring. I finally did it. I finally ran my tone screen with power where you where you fake power and those guys are like down. And we ran we ran play action where we pulled the guard, which is you know not something that I have made to But yeah, I was gonna be in there. It's just you know it's not what I would always say is my my go to. Um, but we gonna run. I do. I mean it's in there. We run it. I wasn't gonna start off a book that said 101 plays in the power spread in the first play not be power <laughs> that's right that's right coach i love the i love the uh the the tunnel screen off of power and and you know you talk about some power read which i had never been into until this year what's your coaching point for your quarterback uh the tailback mesh because um i've kind of heard it two different ways I've heard it, hey, quarterback, stay right where you are, basically. Don't drift too wide uh, on on the read. That way you can get vertical if you keep it. And then I've been around coaches that want to take several steps and want to delay that decision as long as they can. What have you, what have you seen success with? How do you coach that part of it? We're going to take two. We're going we're gonna to shuffle two steps, and we're going to read that first guy side of that C gap. And you got to. I, I faced from the time, from the time that I, when, I, when I was a when I was an offensive co-office coordinator at the Roof High School, uh, before I became a head coach, we faced guys that played Saturday SEC three thirty game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, he'll do both. You better make him make a decision. You know what I'm saying? And and then he was the head coach. The teams that we played the most that we had the beat, had the same kind of thing. And so I believe that you've got to shuffle two steps and you've got to make that DN make the decision. I think I think the advancement now to it is it's really hard. It's still doable. I think it's really hard just to run power read nowadays without jet motion. I think if you don't, I think if you want to read the end with power blocking, the toss has become so much better now. Because defenses are doing things to to they 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 work that a lot more. But I don't think you can stand still with good guys. They, you know, we always you know coaches would say, "Well, if he could fall back in there, he'd be playing on Saturday." I agree with you. I see too many of those guys. I got those kind of guys on my team right now. <laughs> right. You know, the team that I'm in right now, we got two guys that will play on Saturdays, and you know, we got guys with we got a guy with Miami and Oregon offer. We got a guy with Arkansas State, Georgia State offer. Um, I think I don't really want to be out there trying to play around with uh, cloudy messes. Make them make a decision. Take the running back or not. So yeah, I think I, the shuffle stuff is. I, I couldn't agree more, Coach. I think the two ways you're describing it, you know, with the the advent of the power toss, and then you know having the guy come in in jet motion. I, I just think again, it, it makes it a lot harder for that defensive end. You just it seems like so many teams have gotten so good at playing. You know, the the backs away from me. He's crossing the face. It just seems like he can play both with that mesh when he when he sees that action, as opposed to, you know, obviously with the toss, he's got to make a decision, and then with the jet, you know, he's usually going to widen and, and make a decision. I, I I couldn't agree with you more on that, especially you know since we've done a lot of both of those two, you know, we've kind of gravitated both those ways that you've described. And uh, yeah, I think it's I think those are the the money ways, like you say. And then uh, my favorite thing to do if you're running with the jet motion is to come back and um run the and hit the wheel to the running backs. I think that play is there once a game. I pretty much throw that once a game. We're gonna run jet motion, especially back to that boundary end. And we're gonna run that that you know that switch wheel concept where you're gonna get the wide receiver up the scene. You're gonna get the running back on the wheel. And um it's it's there. So I think you know when you put that formation to the field, right? And you can find out what that safety wants to do. If teams want to put that that, that safety, they want to pay, they want to play steel and blue and poach, and they want to read number three, cool. We'll just run power read back to the boundary. He's not a position. And as soon as they make that switch, where they're going to have him be able to come downhill if need be, they're cool. 
let them make the first tackle, clap your hands, wait two or three three plays, come back, do it again, hit the wheel, and now they're in the, uh, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? And that's how you want to – that's the kind of area you want to put teams in. That was literally going to be – You're exactly right. Well, Walls, how many times have we watched North Dakota State? Uh, it, it feels like that, that wheel off that jet motion is open to the tailback every single time, Coach. It's unbelievable. <laughs> That, yeah, that was literally going to be like the next thing I'd say, Coach. You took the words right out. I'm like, Coach Coach Banks has more wheel routes in this than just about anyone I've seen. And I'm like, yes, I love it. There needs to be more uh, a wheel routes. I just feel like those guys get lost. And, and anytime you can get, you know, especially the way you described it, when you know, getting a back vertical, I think that's just so hard to cover. You know, finding ways to get your your running back, kind of your fifth receiver you know, in the, in the progression, but getting him vertical, not just throwing it to him in the flat. Running backs are, I mean, I, running backs on the wheel routes, I, and I do have a lot in that book. I just think that's like a, I mean, I think, man, that can be a, you got to set it up. And I mean, it's not, and I, and I, but I think it times up well with uh jet motion. Um, if you're going to do it, I mean, um, I've seen you talk about it. Um, on Twitter too, while you're gonna do it with the you do it with the H back too. If you're gonna get in that that uh, H back trip set and you run power read that way, send the H back on up on the scene up up the, uh, on the wheel. It's not really a wheel, but he's going up the hash and so send that number two receiver up the opposite hash like a vertical switch, and he's gonna be open too. I just think that um if you major in that, like you said, North Dakota State is gonna major in that. If you run power read, I think it's gonna be there, and I think it's something that. You know, that's the number one reason, you know, I won't get rid of Power Reed. That play actually pads that will to the running back. It's so valuable. You know, every time I say to myself, well, maybe we we can do it out. Then I look back up and I say, man, we scored three or four touchdowns off that wheel last year. I <laughs> Coach, I I love at least, you know, talk about the book and, it, and, and all these explosive plays. Obviously, I've always known explosive plays are, are a big deal. They're explosive. They, they help you score. Um, but with some of the guys that we've had on lately, um, talking about analytics uh, and then having guys that we know, uh, you know, kind of run those reports on their teams over the last three years, um, we're talking with uh, the offensive coordinator over, over at Bigsby, or I was, um, and, and he did a, like a three-year study and – it was like a 85% chance or something crazy that if he had an explosive play on a drive, they were going to score. So like, like to him, even he was like the biggest stat for him was they only scored on like 21% of, of drives that they didn't have an explosive play. So, I mean, you, you talk about a, a crucial, crucial, uh, you know, stat it's having a big play on a drive. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, Tyler got them studs, so I'm sure you know. <laughs> talk about um, often as well. Um, I'm in a, in a, I got, I'm in a nice group chat with some, with some very smart offensive football minds. Um, you guys have had some of them on the show: um, Trent Fields, Pete Louise, um, Jacquez Green. Um, my boy Bronco, and of course, somebody that you guys both work with, Jay Wilk. And, you know, we talk about kind of explosive plays all the time. And defenses are right. You know, offensive guys don't want to drive the ball 20 plays. It ain't easy. A mistake can happen. So you got to have a way to create them. And I think, you know, it goes back. I, I, I think the spread offensive game is a lot like the wing team. You got to have a system of plays. When, and and you got to find out what system of plays work for you. And, you know, even in that book, I got, you know, um, I, you got to have it. I mean, you got to have explosive plays, whether that be you throwing bubbles and then you bubble and go with. Um, you run in outside zone or wide zone and then you play action and you throw the what people call the Dover route, which is nothing but the post and the cross like Oklahoma does. You better find a way to manufacture explosive plays and, and I you know we have those in the book because you know that's one thing that that I was have been fortunate to be able to kind of you know every year is refining but refining them most definitely in, in this in day and age 
Coach, I like the format of the book too. I mean, I, I was like super refreshed, like to be able to, to open it and it's, it's built like a playbook. So I, I like that. It's easy. It's visual. And then I also like, I mean, there's so much space. So like I'm, I'm already off to the side and you're taking notes, you know, so I'm able to write and put things in my language or, you know, I'm able to like you're saying, you know, hey, if, if I ran this play, what would be the compliment off of it? You know, what would be the play action? You know, and you could kind of put down some of those notes in there. I, I love how you kind of set it up that way. And like I said, I, I just love having all that space there because I'm one of those guys that when I have the hard copy of the book, I want to be able to write and take notes in it. The, the biggest thing I, I think, um, and we've liked this, we've always known this as coaches and um the, the, the hardest thing, I think that if anybody would ask any three of us, and, you know, you've had guys way smarter than me on here that talks about it, when you do offensive game planning, I want coaches to understand that it is not about you, – if, if, you, if you find something you like, you know, the good thing about Twitter and all this stuff is you find – like I got the Dan Casey book, right? And I'm a big counter guy, like I said. He's got counter out the wazoo. And you're like, ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. But 90% of it I won't ever use because it's not a fit per se. Now, a lot of it I will do. And I think, you know, one thing that I want people to get from my book and how I tried to structure it is, you know, I tried to show you like, I, you know, here's an RPO that we use this way. Here's the very same RPO, uh, this formation. It's the very same RPO out this formation. So I wanted people to be able to see how that streams lines and how that, you know, you, you do that. And I, and I had it set up that way. So hopefully that people will see what I want people to get is this. I don't want you to look at my book and say, oh, man, he's got 101 plays. It's 25 of them we aren't using. Let's go install. No, no, no. I want you to find those four or five plays or those tweaks to a play that could make the difference in your season. You know what I'm saying? A win here, the supposed to play in this game. And that's pretty much it. You know, we're going to line up in split backs and we're going to go in, you know, tear motion or run, send the running back motion and we're going to run zone and we're going to throw a bubble. And then we're going to play action off of that. We're going to do the same thing for two by two. We're going to send them in orbit or jet motion and we're going to throw a bubble and we're going to run zones. We're going to play action off of that. Then we're just going to line up in the regular old school trips and run zone and throw a bubble. And then we're going to play action off of that. And then you look up and you can do the same thing from double tight. You can do the same thing with an H-back. So now you have it to where you start to realize, and I hope if you're an offense guy, you're looking at like, dang, it's not the new play I need. It's the sequence of how do I get this looking. And once my kids understand it's the same thing, then that's when the explosion happens or, man, he used this motion. Never thought about using this motion. Let's test, test it out. And so I think that's the, you know, that's the big thing, that, you know, that, that helps us. It goes back to, you know, one of the things that you have been talking about, like the whole pandemic. And I know if you guys are running the power subscribers, you know, you are laying on the flags and passes, but that goes back to the double post look. Like if you understand how to run the double post look, you can play action that thing. You can drop back that thing. It can become a one pass concept can answer so many questions. And as an offensive coach, that's what you've got to be trying to, to figure out. I tell people all the time, I tell my coaches, um, they might say, like, you're watching a counter clinic again. Like, do you just watch a counter clinic? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything new. I say, I am. We run counter. We run counter a lot. I want to know if there's a twist, a variation, a teaching point, a quick phrase. Something's in there. I don't necessarily need to learn a new play. I need to know how to make my play better and that's what i'm hoping the coach can take away from the book coach that's a that's a you know brilliant idea too i mean because like you said it, everyone can take a little something from it and and be able to tweak their own things i, I think that's a um a, a great mindset uh, and i'm glad that you went into it and went into to the book and and made it the way that you did because uh that's exactly right everyone from any walk of life uh, or or offense should be able to to take something from that and um 
you know, like I said, I, I, I can't wait to, to get through it and, and read through and, and find some things that, that I can steal. Um, so you, you talked a little bit and, and we're doing it a little bit this year as well. And kind of for the first time for me, and you talked about play action and pulling a guard or pulling an offensive lineman on your play action. What made you, uh, or, or why did you start going to, to dabbling in that a little bit? And, and what have you seen uh, benefit-wise or, or problem-wise uh, using a, a pulling lineman in your play action? Well, we're, we're trying to uh, – uh, so I, I, evolution time, and I think as we always talk about evolution of what we're trying to do, um, we have been – you know, I'm, I'm offensive coordinator now at a school that has been known as a power run scheme school. So that's what they're known for. And so my intent was, as we kind of, kind of, you know, year two get to more of what exactly how I want the office to look. But there's certain things I've said to myself. Okay, look, how can we make things simple? Um, and so we're getting into that mid zone look. We're not quite there. We're, you know, um, we're getting. They're already a heavy counter team, so that hasn't really been a change. But I said what they have been in the transition is they have been a, a power team. So how can you, how can you, again, the goal of offense is to be able to make it simple for your kids. Well, you know, they've been coming up learning how to run power. We're transitioning, you know, in year two, kind of away from being a uh, power as the number one play team. But the kids coming up, they've been learning how to block power. You know what I'm saying? That's what's coming to me now. Two years from now, we may not need it. But right now, today, we do. And so that's when I came up with, okay, well, let's run the screen like power. Let's teach Tunnel like power. I'm, I'm going to throw screens six times, six, eight times a game. Tunnel screen is going to be a big one of it. Let's like it like power. I want to get into the play action. Um, it's funny because I, I love RPOs. I am an RPO guy. However, I find myself going back to boot and play action more. Um, and, you know, we got a kid that's, you know, we got a quarterback competition, but anybody who starts to us will be a first-year starter. And we got two guys that can go. It's funny because I love 10 personnel. I started off as a 10 personnel guy. But if you ask me right now what I would play with, I would tell you, give me 12P any day of the week. And I'm a wide receiver guy by trade. And here's why I, I think you're a wide receiver. Now, if you're the third and fourth wide receiver, maybe not so happy. But if you're a wide receiver, y'all, I would, you should ask your head coach to put you in 12P. If you want to throw the ball, you should find a way to get in 12P because defense has got to make a decision. If I'm in 12P and we're even, that ain't necessarily good for the defense. You got seven in there, or do you want to add an eighth? How do you want to do it? And if they got to add an eighth, that means that they are, they are one-on-one. Let me fake this boot. Let me fake power. Let me pull that guard. Let me get a tight eight-man protection. And like I say, run that Dover where I got that, that deep post and then that crossing route. And let me get my guy one-on-one and sling it deep. So um, we dabbled it into the spring. I, I think for us, the hardest thing is it's not how the kids ran play action last year. So they're still learning. Our um, super back, ace back is still having to learn how he fits with the guard pulling and the guard he did. He got more comfortable pulling and understanding that, hey, it's a lot like uh, counter where I'm looking to um, seal that edge and kick somebody out as, as far as wrapping up. So that, you know, we did very good on the screen, on the play action. That would be something that we'll have to keep repping here over the summer to hopefully get it where we need it to be by the time August rolls around. I've always said that too, coach, with the, like you said, if you're a receiver, you know, again, yeah, your slot guys, they're not going to be as happy, but you know, one on one on one's what we live for. And, you know, and if you can get teams in man coverage, you know, I, I feel pretty comfortable, especially with your, your number one and your number two, being able to move them enough. And if you get in some of those 12 P, you know, situations where, you know, your guys are off and you give them a little bit more room to operate against man press, you can hit some, some deadly explosives like you've been preaching about here. And, you know, kind of the whole reason why you made the book, you know, even if you're not a regular 12 person 
type team, you know, getting into it five, six, seven times a game and getting some of the matchups and looks that I want, there's your three or four plays that might make the whole difference in a game, especially if you haven't shown it for a long time. Yeah, I, I think most definitely. And I think, you know, and that's, a, you know, when game planning coaches ought to consider that, like, how can I get in what, how can I get in 12P, right, for three plays, um, a, a base run play, a look off that run play, and then a play action, you know? And, you know, even still, too, you know, um, with in general, you know, when I look at stuff, how can I shoot, we'll do stuff, you know, and I and I kind of talk about in the book where I move the, the slot receiver to running back, and I say, hey, how can I get him because, you know, I, I, it goes back to the crux of this argument. And, you know, you, you see people hypothetically say it on Twitter all the time. Outside of outside of quarterback, what do you want your best skill player at in your offense? Well, to me, if you want to look at the analytics of it, uh, I might want to make tailback because that's the guy that's probably going to touch the ball a lot. If he's at the outside receiver, it's very easy to find ways to get him. So what do you do when you got a kid like a Rundell Moore? I mean, I understand that every team don't have a kid that fast. So but what happens when you got a kid that's a slot like him who can make things happen? You got you better find ways to get him the ball. And it's got to be something else besides bubble screen. It's got to be something else besides, oh, I hope he gets it on this. So you, you got to find ways, as you said, to package it and move some guys around for three plays. And I'm hoping that a coach gets that idea. Like, hey, how can I try to get this guy a touch? Because as you say, that can you know that can make a big difference in what we do offensively. I, I I think unless your team needs to learn a new play, you got to find what fits. And even like you said in the book, even when you talk about a run game, I've got I've got power, I've got counter, I've got zone, I've got outside zone, I've got dart. You know, um, some enough for everybody, coach. When you do have a guy, you know, you've got a guy, like you said, you've got to get him the ball. Or is that something that obviously you're working each week, um, finding ways to get him the ball, but, but is it something on your call sheet, something in your mind, like, Hey, we, not only do we have to get him the ball, we've got to find ways to easily get him the ball or get him the ball where it doesn't, um, it doesn't take, our offensive line blocking perfectly for this thing to happen, you know, like to me, jet, jet motions, jet motions are something where you can probably have just about the, the worst offensive line possible. As long as you can snap to the quarterback, you can get it with one of your dudes. Uh, I'm sure if you work at enough screens, different things like that, is that something that when you have that dude, that's, that's a, a, of key importance for you to find those easy runs or those easy throws for that guy as well. Yes, um, I, I, most definitely. And I think what you do in that situation is, you know, I, you know, the beautiful thing about coaching, I've been on both sides of this. I've been on teams where I had, you know, and I was a head coach at Newton for two years. Every, every, we had a two-year run where every skilled guy that started signed FBS or FCS. Now, we didn't have the linemen that signed that high. Line, so most, most of them didn't go to college. And one went D3 and then one went D2. But every skill guy that started went to a FBS or FCS school to start their career. So at a school like that, you know, coaches can be a lot dumber. You know what I'm saying? I, what I did was I got out the way of trying to pinpoint the ball. I found the best player and called it, right? But when you need a guy to test the ball, when you writing your opening script or things that need to happen on possession of 10, I'm figuring out ways to get that guy the ball, especially on possession and tens, and then you know a section on my call sheet. I has I have not gone as far as a, a you know a mandatory pitch count, but I do tell one of my coaches to kind of count it and remind me at halftime. But I think you know probably the easiest way to do that is on possession and ten coming off the sideline. Hey, what can I do coming off the sideline that gets my guy? The ball because you talk about those analytics gotta have what it's supposed to play. Probably the, the, the second biggest analytic for me is that you know, um, in my time as an offensive coordinator over the past three years, we've scored on 64% of the drive. We get four yards or more on, on possession of 10. We've scored on 
29% of the drives that we did not get four yards on possession of 10. So I bet I'm trying to get them four yards possession of 10 out the rip. Well, who's the best person that can help me do that? Uh, the guy that's a playmaker. And that becomes an easy way to make sure that you kind of emphasize their, their pitch count. But I think you have to, if you don't have enough guys, if you only got two, I think, I, you know, I think two guys in high school offense can make you good. And I'm not saying state championship, but I think it can make you good offensively. You got to find a way to get the ball, especially if the guy isn't per se the natural running back. So uh, to answer your question, though, I think definitely the screens. I think um, definitely um, jet motion. If they could touch the ball, it's not a bad idea to go out there and do a power read. Or what I think is um, this terminology, if you've, if you've heard this terminology before, if you're a listener, um, don't don't you two guys laugh when I say this. If you understand what flake, fake, flood, and flow means, um, go out there and run counter or dark bash. Um <laughs> and um let your skill guy, you know, take care of that because that's a fake, a flood, and a flow uh type play. And you know, that's to me, that's the best quote unquote auxiliary run in the game right now, running bash read, tag your preferred run play um and so you do those things on first down to make sure that guy gets the ball coach what are what are some things you're doing you know uh i guess I'll, i call it like contingency offense so like hey you know we're watching film we're game plan and we have a, a pretty good idea but you know maybe you know this coach or you you know of this d coordinator you know they're probably going to do something maybe totally different than they've shown on film. How much time do you kind of, you know, commit to that? Um, is it something where it's like, hey, man, I, I know my offense well enough that I can adjust kind of in-game and, and our guys can go with the flow. You know, I think that's a huge part, especially in high school, because I, I think you feel it, it feels like every week you maybe see something differently uh, simply because of the type of film you have, the, you know, the, the other teams that are playing, the offense that they play. You know, you might get crappy film, whatever it might be. I feel like it's such a huge thing as an offensive coach to kind of have, okay, here's the contingency plan. What if they come out in this? Let's be ready to roll with some of this. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're doing, you know, your normal down and distance plays, however you do it, I think you make a contingency um, for for that, um, you know, advantageous formations and um I think you make a contingency plan for that but you also understand that if I ain't got it you know um I gotta be based you know when I as I have evolved there's certain things that I personally look for to take into a game like I always make sure hey I got my formation in the boundary formation I've got my unbalanced formation um I've got my you know like I said I, I, I pretty much every week take a 12P formation. I've kind of got that, hey, I'm going to make them. And I haven't gotten this far, but some people take, you know, one of those, I don't want to call them gimmick formations, but they might take, you know, um, you know, a formation in the game that isn't standard, whether that be the old, being able, you know, that's the Gus Miles on the world. You know, that's one thing that me and um, my brother Brian Marion talk about all the time. You know, his his Gus Miles on influence and him even with his go-go offense. He's gonna run a, a reverse pass early in the game. He's gonna set you up to run fights some. He's gonna, you know, set you up to to run any other formation. So you gotta get defensive coordinators things to think about. But at the end of the day, you know, you gotta be sound enough to know that hey, um if I need to, I can always I always know for me if I need to. I can say these words. We're going to go pro right, A zap, zone left three, which simply means we're going to line up a split back, send a slide in motion, and we're going to run zone with a bubble. And then off of there, I can figure out an answer. And I think what's important is no matter how you go into a game, you got to be able to, once you find something, you got to be able to have the answers to it to adjust. And I think what too many coaches do who have it who aren't pushing the lead and I'm not saying that I'm a lead by any means but I think when I talk to coaches who are trying to push that next level is again like we talked about earlier you can't just say oh this play is good 
Um, you can, but if you understand that that pace is not a base play, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you can't say, well, this play is good this week. Well, if it doesn't fit into a series, don't put it with your regular plays. You got to go let it eat up something else. Like, I got this really good play I want to run this week. But that needs to eat up one of your shot plays. That needs to eat up one less third down play. That needs to eat up one less red zone play. You know what I'm saying? And so it can't be a normal down and distance play, something that you're depending on to get you through the game. Because as you said, if you get something else, then what do you do? And and it's happened to and and this happened to me as a coordinator. So I know that there's been games where I came out and we were doing some stuff that plays I thought was gonna work. And it may have worked, worked for a whole half. The second half, that team made an adjustment and they shut me down. You go back and watch film, like why didn't I just why didn't I just and so to try to get rid of that, you know, it's the whole thing. You cannot play the game a day late. Does you no good. Um, you know, make sure that your base pretty much works against a lot of stuff you do. Um, another reason why I, uh, you know, it's it, it just, you know, another reason why that, you know, for me, and I, I go back to what we talk about, um, when we talk about running the power spread, I prefer running plays. For me, the easiest thing for me was always, mid zone or inside zone which is why like i said i run i run power but for me it was i when i learned how to do this i learned how to fix inside zone easy so when i got in those situations when i got that bare front when i got that double mug i knew how to fix it with inside zone easier than i fixed it with power i had to go back and learn more and so that kind of became that crust but like you said because i knew how to do that when it comes to it, I right, guess what we're going to do until we can go to what's next. Coach, you've you talked about, and this is kind of a away from, um, you know, schematics, but you talked about being on a team where every skill kid you had is, is going, you know, high level, high college level, um, and then having an offensive line group that's not. Um, I've, I've always been, maybe not the opposite of that, but – at, at my old school, we were very offensive line centered. We were going to be in big personnels. We were going to run the ball. It was going to be behind the offensive line. They were the guys that were going to the big schools. Um, the place I'm at now, um, all of the Division One kids are our skill kids, uh, and and the offensive line has been um, has not got the praise that I'm I'm used to in a program. Um, maybe not program wise, but they're just such good skill kids and, and, you know, kind of how that goes at times, but what did you try to do for your offensive line to try to build that group when you do have such a great skill group? Um, obviously you want your offensive line to be as good as possible. How do you build that group when, when the game plan is let's get it to all our skill guys and, and we're praising those guys because they're the ones that are, are, are doing so well. How do you develop that offensive line group? Well, I, I think, you know, um, two things. One is football-wise. One is not football-wise. I think as the as the head coach, I did it. As I offered the coordinator, I would do it too. I think part of that, of course, is to build that bond with them off the field and how they're treated. And it's great when the quarterback helps in that. Um, you know, at my time in Newton, we had, uh, you know, we had shirts specifically for offensive linemen and they were wearing, and that was their Friday wear. Now we might wear, uh, their Thursday, we might wear, you know, shirts and ties on Fridays, but on Thursday, we had the offensive line shirts. Um, and they would wear their shirts on, um, on Thursday and the old line coach would have his on our quarterback, we got our quarterback, he asked for one, he wore his. And then offensively, you know, I told my guys that, um, you know, when I harp or when I teach, I say, guys, offensive line can pick up six, but it's your job to pick up this guy for them um, just in case. They're, they're going to get him, but your, your job, not just in case, you're going to pick up this guy in addition to be that added in guy. And so, you know, that was kind of big on, on, you know, what we did and, you know, from a uh, – coordinator thing I, I tried to make sure that I put them in successful plays to where like you know we had that skill guy running back in that quarterback so I'm like hey you're probably gonna do a lot of zone reads, power reads, counter reads, bashes you know to where you can read the sixth guy 
So you can always make them right. But I think, you know, you have to find what fits those guys. And then you kind of got to go back and um, you've got to find a way to, 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 to help them out. I mean, even for us this year right now, we've got, we're going to have five new starters on the offensive line this year. And uh, two of those guys weren't offensive line last year. So as of today, we've got five new starters on the offensive line. Now, we've got good size, but still got five new starters. And two of them, including the center, wasn't offensive line last year. But you got some guys at the skill spots who will probably play in somebody's program on Saturday. We've got, you know, three of those guys. Um, so you've got to make sure that you do things to help them out. Um, screen game, you know, heavy in the screen game, heavy in the less talks, like you said earlier, like uh, Riley said, just sweeps, you know, those things that can help them out. But I think it's about preaching that camaraderie and treating them um, special. And I and I think part of that is, you know, um, when we set goals and when we did like little rewards. Offensive line was included in every reward or every point. You know what I'm saying? So, if if you you know if it was a player of the week thing, um, and you know somebody and somebody got something or somebody got points or somebody made X, Y, and Z, offensive line got you know pointed at too. So like for defense, you know it was it might be like, hey, if you get three touchdowns this game, and I don't really do stuff like that as far as you know, I hate emphasizing the individual per se for like touchdowns everybody involved in it but if it was a hey if offense gets this many touchdowns here's what we're going to get and everything was sent around hey offensive linemen had to be included in it it was a standard for them you know what i'm saying it was not about the standard for you we're on defense so those guys were hey you get a turnover or interception and you know, you can wear a chain or et cetera. No, we're going to do everything for the line. And so my thing for, like, even with the line was like, hey, 350 yards offense, you eat pizza. I don't care whether it's on the ground, which they wanted it to be. I don't care if it was on air. If you got 350, pizza's coming in for y'all. And so we just tried to emphasize that camaraderie with them. And then on the field as coaches, we tried to find things that fit them. I love that coach. I mean, just kind of, you know, creating again, like that bond, like you said, and then just understanding, man, it's, it's all about a unit, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's still, you know, the, the four skill dudes you have on the field, they're never going to get the ball, you know, without the offensive line. So, you know, build, building that culture and then also kind of, you know, letting those guys know, Hey man, if we, if we get the QB a couple of seconds to throw here, you know, if you guys will, you know, have a good play fake on a naked or something like that, you guys will, you'll, hustle your ass off on a screen and get downfield and play some extra effort. These guys are going to make a dude miss and it's going to go for a huge play. So I, I think that that's absolutely the right mentality to take with those guys, you know, really instill that confidence and, and kind of take them to that next level. And then everybody's level gets raised. Yeah. I mean, another thing that we did this year, and we're going to tweak it probably. We, no, we're, we, we, the, the AC and the DC want to kind of steal on my idea. So we'll, we'll tweak it. So we call our office now where I'm at. We call it the Blue Angels O. Um, mascot is the Mustang, but we are blue, uh, Columbia blue and navy blue are our school colors. And we want to go fast. We want to put, you know, we want to have like that takeoff, that special Blue Angels type offense. So what we did was this. Um, we actually have practice jerseys that are old Falcons practice jerseys, so red and white. If your primary offensive position is red, if your primary defensive position, then you wear white, right? But what I did was I took some old Columbia blue jerseys I got with my old line coach. We kind of cut, they were long, the long, you know, the real long Riddell jerseys, like, or like you got them like Nike jerseys that are like dresses go down to the kneecaps, you know, the ones I'm talking about. And we cut them. And so if you were part of the Blue Angels, if you were a starter, you got to wear a blue jersey at practice, right? So you would come in on Monday, and we really went to like 14 kids. But, you know, we, we fluctuated between 10 and 14 kids. But you got to wear that blue jersey. And that meant that you were an offensive starter, right, or uh, somebody the offense depended on. Now, I would usually yank that thing off. A uh, skill kid real fast. Skill kid has two fumbles. 
Um, last few days, we could drop anything. Like, skill kids, we were yanking that thing fast. Offensive linemen, you pretty much just had to give no effort that day to lose yours. So it, it almost became a, a running thing with the old linemen that their thing was all five guys are going to show up with your jersey on. And that's just, you know, I was alignment, I think, in general, being unselfish and, you know, the pretty boys being pretty, you know, worried about stuff. But I was alignment had the thing, like, all five guys don't, don't show up at practice with the blue jersey by any means necessary. And so they, you know, we had a thousand-yard rush, and they took pride in that, you know, all those things. Because, hey, we're going to make sure that all five of us had that jersey. Now, when I say the head coach in D.C. are trying to steal the idea, they want to take my 11 jerseys and just give them to one person at each position each day. And I'm okay with that because that too, but I'm I, we hadn't told the kids that we kind of think the offensive guys that we're thinking about transitioning to just be one blue jersey at position. Whoever had the best effort and energy at practice that day gets to wear it the next day. But um, I don't know, I might have to find something much to do with my offensive lineman because they see that they may or may not be too happy. They may, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. Well, coach, we're, we're rolling up on an hour. Um, and just obviously we were so, we are so excited to get to, uh, spend some time this summer, read through the book. Uh, we can't, you know, obviously have gone through a little bit, but can't wait to really dive in, dig in. Like coach Walls said, uh, really excited that there are so much room for us to draw, to bookmark, to do things over on the side. Um, but for, for everyone else, everyone that's listening, listening right now, how do they go get their copy? Uh, where can they find it? I know you talked about Amazon. Is, is that where they find it? Is it better to go, uh, you know, through your Twitter or through your website? Or what's the best way and the best way for you uh, for them to to get the book and and uh, start getting after it? Right now, definitely on Amazon. I got the Gumroad link coming. Um, hopefully, by the, if you listen to this podcast, check my check my Twitter page. I, if the Gum link is up. Gumroad link is up. I have it. I'm much like uh, Harper. I'm in the process of moving homes. So um, it's not that. And I'm not, I'm just pretty much probably going like 15 minutes away. But it's the process. You know how it is, man. When you got to move and you got to pack all the crap up and then you got to unbox it again. That I just have not, I have copies, but um, I just have not been able to get to them yet. So that's hopefully the last box thing that I will box up. So that's how I kind of, you know, get through. Um, we get a firm date on when things are happening. That's when the Gumroad link will be active again, and you can get it directly from me. Um, but it's definitely on Amazon right now. And, you know, again, if you are, if you already run power spread offense, you're not, you know, it's a tweak. That you, I think you can get from it. Oh, wow, why did I think of this? So oh, we should do this. I've been saying this. If you're kind of new to being a, a coordinator, and you want to kind of see how some plays flow together, are uh, new to the offense. You know, I, I think it's a, a great thing for you to pick up. Coach, man, as usual, it's always great to hear you, man. Uh, we won't want to keep any more of your time. I know how stressful moving can be, and and Harper can definitely attest to that. I'm hearing all of his horror stories from moving too. So. But uh, we appreciate it. I know you'd send us a, a couple of extra copies as well. So we'll be doing a, a giveaway too through uh, through RTP. So there'll be a couple of lucky coaches that uh, that get a copy of your book as well, man. But best wishes to you, man. Again, I keep saying it, I got to get down to uh, to Atlanta to see you. But uh, you're one of our dudes, man. We appreciate you a ton. Oh, yeah, man. When you get down here, I make sure that uh... – all the boys are here, Edwards and Louise um, and et cetera. But, shoot, I need to be coming to to TFC up there in, in beautiful Iowa. And, you know, now that uh, I still can't believe that uh, Harper's going back to the to the, the mega state of Texas to, to coach <laughs> football. Um, so, but, I mean, you know, guys, I, you know, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure. I got, you know. Number one, number one football podcast out there is RTP, and not to mention the things that you guys do on your website. And I'm sure that you'll be back with the clinics, etc. It's, 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 I learn something always. Um, you know, when I listen to the guys that you bring on, and so I, you know, you guys are doing a, a bang up job. So, 
Well, thanks, Coach. We really appreciate it. Um, and and if you don't want to go up to Iowa, you know, Iowa's pretty cold. You can come down to Texas. We got the uh, TFC going down at McKinney as well. Um, uh, and it's a lot, lot more friendly weather. I don't know about over the summer, but uh, a lot more, a lot more Georgia type weather, Coach. Dude, come on. <laughs> hey, yeah, 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 I agree. Are we going to have to see if we can talk. Uh... Coach H is coming out to Hot Atlanta, man. He can, he can <laughs> there we go. You can, can use my stadium and field if he needs to. We'll, we'll make sure we make it happen. <laughs> that's right. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.